0: Keycard presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. It appears that the X-Men have died, held in space at the hands of the brood. Oh well, let's get some new kids and start a show. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week, we are taking you all the way back to 1982. It is the 40th anniversary this year of the first new mutant story in Marvel graphic novel number four. Back in the early 80s and all the way up into the early 90s, Marvel decided they were going to do a series of graphic novels called the Marvel graphic novel series. It's uh, very on the nose. And issue four... The fourth graphic novel they put out was New Mutants, new characters created by Chris Claremont and Bob McCloud, where in the X-Men book, the X-Men were fighting with the brood up in space, and everybody on Earth thought that they were dead. And so Professor Xavier was very sad. He was in mourning. At the same time, though, Maura Taggart, somebody who's always trying to help out young mutants and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Brings some people to him to help, and Xavier is like, No, I can't do this anymore. I can't do that. And she said, Oh, come on, they need your help. And he went, Oh, okay. And he started to group them together and kind of do everything he did with the X Men. And this was the beginning of that story with several children, much like the giant size X Men number one that introduced people of different nationalities across the world coming together to be the new x-men is once again you have people spread out across the world basically coming together to become this new team and stop oddly enough like not even like the stars of the hellfire club not even like sebastian shaw or like jason wingard who of course was mastermind or like emma frost no pierce the cyborg guy not even a mutant who everybody thought was like, you suck, Pierce. And he's like, I do not suck. I'm going to make these guys that got beaten up by Wolverine cyborgs and we're going to go kill all mutants. It's going to be guys awesome.
1: basically Barry from Archer. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a more fun outfit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Even though he's estranged from the Hellfire Club in this story, still likes to wear the fancy Hellfire Club threads. Which oh, you yeah. Know- still
1: got that frippery. Still got that drip. You got a ruffle, you yeah. got a purple jacket, you got you got a nice little ponytail.
0: Because you know when he came off the street, you know, a cyborg guy, he was probably dressed like a, you know, a mid-80s schlub, you know, probably with a rat tail or something like that, and they, the Hellfire Club was like, no, we got to give you some style. Well, he decided to keep that style, even though the entire time he's like, I hate the Hellfire Club, the Hellfire Club sucks, I'm going to be better than the Hellfire Club, I'm going to kill all these mutants, Fuck. But these threads I'm keeping. Yeah, but I'm still going <laughs> to wear these nice outfits. These are nice. Yeah. So he's not the greatest first villain for characters to go up against. But I guess in that sense, it makes it way easier to root for these brand new characters because you're like, God, I really want this Pierce guy to shut the fuck up. Yeah. I mean, you know me.
1: The real villains are Charles and Moira. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing. I talk a lot of about Charles, but Moira is hardcore enabler just like sometimes the women are just as complicit in the bad acts of the men that they support there's no hey let's use cerebro to find these children that are in tough situations getting their powers don't know what to do with them and freaking out and let's you know bring them to a nice home help this them is, get them this... therapy no it's immediately like suit up start fighting pit them against each other and assess them for their strengths and weaknesses and if someone's girlfriend gets killed in some crossfire it's one less thing to you know (laughs) slow them down when you want them to just abandon their life and family and move into your house and leave it's the thing this team is like so diverse if they brought this book into being now in the form of some disney plus show i can only imagine the nonsense people on the internet would say meanwhile this is like old as hell like this is this is not a oh look we're deliberately adding like a you know a latino person uh somebody from vietnam somebody with an accent that like reads so hard
0: (laughs) well you know what's funny in actuality they did the exact opposite yeah. They, they made the they, they made the Blatino character white. Yeah. And they cast a white girl to play the the yeah. indigenous person. So they went the exact opposite route yeah. when they, they did took the movie. The
1: originals and like made them all like let's just make them all.
0: No, it's this like, book is
1: it's it's almost comically diverse, pun intended, uh the background of this team. And and again, let's remember Charles in a wheelchair yeah it's just it's wild to me that this stuff was always there listener if you have an acquaintance on the internet that gets very upset when they see anybody from a shape or color they don't recognize in the mirror uh it's always been there Uh, it's x-men they and especially they love experimenting with people from different backgrounds and and they do this super fun Let's throw in every possible trope in their background <laughs> so we can like cover all the bases and feel good about ourselves. But they've been doing this for like 20, 30 years. This isn't new. Although the bowl cut on the, the young woman from Vietnam, it's just, it's a bit much.
0: Well, that was Bob McLeod's choice. Uh, he made a choice. <laughs> he, he leaned hard into said choice. Yeah. You, you have karma from Vietnam. You have wolf Spain from, uh, from Scotland, Ireland area. I can't remember. I think she's Scottish. Yeah, Welshman, Scottish. Uh, you have, uh, of course, Sunspot, who's from. It's Brazil, right? Yeah. Yeah, Brazil, and uh, of course you have. A the Brazilian soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> his well, his let's power face it. is
1: manifest during a soccer. Pardon me, a football game.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's face it: that there is a lot of football players in Brazil. But anyway, then yeah. you've also got Danny Moonstar, who, of course, is an indigenous. North American. And yeah, that's the team together. The original team, uh, of course, uh, all of these characters are going and of course, Cannonball as well. But he kind of is like a, a late addition to the team in this issue. It isn't until the actual regular series that he kind of truly becomes a member of the team.
1: Yeah, even the blonde white guy, they give him like a real Joe Lunchbox background, like a minor, son of a minor who died from black lung in the Appalachian, 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 (laughs) whatever. Like it is like, give me a trope, (laughs) trope sandwich. (laughs) It is, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's equal opportunity kind of stereotypes. I kind of love that. I was like, no, they aren't. (laughs) Oh
0: my God, they
1: are. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah powers manifest during like a cave in at the mine
0: yeah yeah totally love it they kind of brought together because this pierce guy is trying to knock him off Mora convinces xavier that he's got to help them and xavier put twist his arm he's like okay yeah. let's make ourselves a new team well, yeah well my- pierce is after these children again you
1: have two options you know pierce is after them you could just save these children and take them somewhere but instead it's let's find these children and then make them soldiers.
0: Well, I think it's also, like you mentioned, Moira being uh, an enabler. She brought, of course, Wolfsbane to the mansion. But uh, it's kind of just said in a one-off line that karma is there because Reed Richards just dropped her off. It was like, oh, this is mutant stuff. He talked to Charles. He knows what that stuff is about. I've got to go to another dimension. See ya. You know, so... So it's sort of like he's like, well, I've already got two people here. If we save these others, that rounds out a team. I got all these empty rooms because all my kids died. Hey, let's start a new school.
1: I'll say one thing about the art choices. I do like that everybody isn't sort of outrageously proportioned. Like they look more like just past the tween age
0: yeah yeah they look like young teenagers and of course yeah especially standing next to like charles or moira uh who which i find hilarious that moira has that uh you know beige jumpsuit on the entire time (laughs) yeah and charles
1: like somebody who might have mobility issues constantly has a little blanket on his lap keep him warm yeah yeah Um, You've got poor circulation i bet yeah, and, no, and, like, occasionally, like, a kind of a dad check sweater. It, You know, he's a terrible person, but, like,
0: yeah, even it's, his outfit it's funny makes more you brought, sense for it's, somebody who's in that a chair. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the checkered sweater. My God, it does pop. That is it, very does. Much... <laughs> it
1: really does. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, of course, Danny Moonstar, her guardian, he is targeted by Pierce's people and is killed. But he has also contacted charles so everybody's giving him these kids yeah what could possibly go (laughs) wrong i love danny in this book her like goal is like you know what you guys can do whatever the hell you're doing i'm gonna help you guys but i'm gonna fucking kill this pierce guy that's my goal she's gotta get and then uh of course you've got sunspot who the only person that stands up for him is his girlfriend And Pierce latches onto that right away, kidnaps his girlfriend, then kidnaps him. And she unfortunately does not make it out alive because she is not like Sunspot in that he is becomes impervious once he goes to his powers. And so, yeah, so he is also out for revenge as well. There's a lot of anger and revenge here. Very traditional. You talk about tropes, losing someone in your life that means the most to you. You got two characters right off the bat.
1: Oh, yeah. They're just tossing bodies in fridges. This is like they drop more bodies in the wire. It is wild. Yeah, it is. And the part that makes the most sense is like you're a teenager and you just manifested these crazy powers and someone close to you has been harmed or killed. Or in the case of why do I keep forgetting the other character's name? Uh, you have like a family to care for. Oh, like, Cannonball. So cannonball oh actually i guess there's two of them so cannonball and uh bowl cut
0: (laughs) oh karma karma yeah yeah her her younger younger siblings siblings
1: yeah yeah. like they she needs to care for them and provide for them it's like she's just doing this for the job it's like listen like my siblings just need to keep a roof over their heads it's it's a good kind of mix of motivations and seeing the way you know these just past teenager twins slash tween kind of folks would respond if all of a sudden you have these powers this creepy old dude in a chair and his girlfriend are like recruiting you to you know a life of child soldierdom and you know listener here's the thing whenever you're interviewing for a job uh, when they ask you do you have any questions for me uh, unless they've explicitly told you this is a brand new job that never existed before one of the best questions to ask is what happened to the person who was in this role before me it tells you a lot about <laughs> It tells you a lot about, like, do they have a, a true idea of what success looks like for the role? Uh, how did they end the relationship with the person before amicably or not? Do they have a clear vision or do they just copy and paste the bullet points from five years ago when they were last hiring? Et cetera, et cetera. Do they get real shifty? Because uh, whether you're on, you know, Zoom, Google Meet or in person... If you're paying attention, when they're telling you the stuff they want to tell you, and then when you ask a question and they're looking for an answer that they think you want to hear versus the real answer, you can figure out real quick, is this a safe space? Like, again, not 100%. <laughs> All that to say, my first question is any new mutant would be, so what happened to the old mutant?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's really funny is that uh Xavier, he's, re- he's bad HR because it's like... He's hired these people in their new positions, basically, on the assumption that the, the old team can't do their job. He just thinks, oh, well, I haven't heard from them in a while up in space. They must be dead. Meanwhile, they're fighting for their lives inside a sentient alien sh- uh, vessel holding a bunch of ripoffs of, of course, the movie Alien. <laughs> so that's essentially what the brood was. But, you know, it looked pretty cool while doing it. That's the thing I always find funny is that I guess it pays to be a a rich man because when the X-Men finally do show up, Xavier just goes, okay, well, we'll we'll have both teams. I can feed this many people. We're good. We got enough rooms. It's a fucking mansion. You know? (laughs) And again, no no option to opt out of the soldiering. It's just (laughs) more soldiers. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, because if, if if there wasn't as much money, you know, he'd have to have let one of these teams go. But that's not what happened. They both were there. He got to have two teams, two teams in the house of one. And, uh, hell, he got to do some, like, trading. Like, it's that's pretty good when you get to be, you know, you get to handle the trades between each team, and that benefits you on yeah. both sides, you know?
1: You know, mixing and matching powers, who's going to work well with whom in a
0: fight yeah yeah uh, kitty you're getting too argumentative i'm sending you down to the new mutants you know, like,
1: yeah just just slide right through the floor
0: yeah <laughs> literally yeah. Down. <laughs> go down to the next room and hang <laughs> out with the other children yeah. i won't be told what to do get down there kitty because that's basically what happened is kitty was like i don't like this i don't like what you're doing here and Xavier went new mutants but, uh, but yeah, this is where it all started with this team. A lot of people look at this original group as the true New Mutants. The additions to the team afterwards, they, they don't consider you know, the prime true team. And a lot of these characters stayed with the New Mutants for a long time. Even some of them traveling into the X-Force version of the team as well. So, again, we've talked about before uh, longevity of characters. Of course, Chris, Chris Claremont with the X Men created a number of characters that still to this day are, yeah. you know, within the pages of comics. And the same goes with New Mutants. Like him and Bob McCloud created some characters that stuck around. Sunspot was a big deal. Wolf Spain was a big deal. Cannonball was a big deal. Danny Moonstar, pretty damn big deal. So.
1: And our homegirl Louise Simonson had her pause on this one, too. Well, yes. It, once, yeah. yeah,
0: once the New Mutants became her book, definitely. Yeah. But talking about she was
1: editing on this one.
0: Yeah, because she was editing all the the X stuff at the time. Definitely. And so, yeah. So this is this is a classic book that's been around for 40 years. And when people talk about favorite New Mutants stories, this first story still springs to mind. This book is the only
1: thing that would actually make me recommend somebody watch that New Mutants movie.
0: (laughs) Just to see the contrast. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and this is a case where I would say,
0: watch the movie first. Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) 100 <laughs> percent. yeah but then they might not want to read the comic they'll be so turned off by the movie i mean but this is just it's such a
1: easy read it's such oh, an yeah. interesting story it it's right around the time they're not 100 of the way there yet but they're they're finally figuring out how to color colored people some of the color uses they really pop honestly this is very of the moment uh pierce's outfit and uh the the colorway on the robots in not throughout the whole thing but the especially in the moon star stuff it's giving valentino pink it's giving barbie core it's very that yeah like these it's it's a cute book to look at
0: yeah no the, the book does very much pop
1: and the one thing about xavier that is because everybody has like a signature thing aside from the chair the eyebrows are Say what you want about the man's uh, parenting skills. The eyebrows are on point.
0: Yeah, he does have very definitive eyebrows. And actually, if you're if you're a bald, clean-shaven man, eyebrows are very important because in especially in comics, because that's the only definitive you know facial feature.
1: Yeah, I mean, in in some of the older runs, he looks more Yul Brynner-y than other ones. In this one, it's very like in between the the top of the head to the eyebrows, it's very much King and I. Yeah, it's happening.
0: Totally, yeah. So that's the thing. The expressions in this book are amazing. Bob McLeod does a great job of giving you different looking characters, but giving you very expressive faces, which sometimes some artists are cheap on both. Sometimes... The partial shift on the werewolf
1: character is just, it's so weird looking. Oh, yeah.
0: where's that lichen yeah. type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my I God. love but, it. But then also you 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 mentioned how the colors pop in this. Glennis Ween was the colorist for this book and uh, really brought it really brought it
1: yeah uh, the the hopping over the fence by the werewolf character again you get sometimes when you see a character do something and you get no internal monologue you're like it's fine show don't tell but i like the fact that okay this kid's just manifested recently so they don't 100 percent know what they're doing but you see them kind of sounding it out like okay i need to jump over this fence i can't as a full wolf But as a partial wolf, I can, as a person, maybe I could, but I don't want to be a person because there's dogs in between the two fences. So if I stay partial wolf, the dogs probably, it's just, and yeah, Claremont's on this, but that's the kind of stuff that I feel like that's like our homegirl Louise. Like the stuff that like, this makes sense. Like when you're reading superhero stuff and a character just does something because it's in their power set. Or just outside of it, where this, it's like you see these kids as they're figuring out their powers, making choices and decisions about how to use them based on like what they know.
0: Mm. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, when it comes to introducing new characters, this book was a bit of a gamble because it's like, we're not just introducing them as guests in somebody else's book. We're not just introducing them in a new number one. We're introducing them in a prestige format book. Like it was actually like uh, legacy size when it came out. The original printings were like a big square legacy book. And that's a tough deal, you know, like to get people to jump on new characters. It's sure some people might like Professor Xavier, but they're like, there's no X-Men. Well, you see, then there's a smart thing in the middle. It's like, how do we get some X-Men in here if the X-Men are supposed to be dead? Oh, well, we have all these guys who are super afraid of Wolverine and karma can manifest people's greatest fears into a physical manifestation here you go here's wolverine for a few pages sure he's uh you know he's in ghost form but still it's like you get a few pages of wolverine right yeah, there still
1: the best at what he does <laughs> even if it's like a weird pink ghost outline of him yeah yeah. yeah. And, and you do see hints of them like there, are you know pictures of them in charles's like library yeah you know, he almost possibly has a moment of having an emotion of remorse. Uh, it's hard to tell, uh, but <laughs> and of course, you know, your big finish is not creepy at all. Let's dress up my new child soldiers like my old child soldiers. You know, yellow black because the that's costumes
0: great... were there. You know, yeah, better put there. them to good use. You know, yeah,
1: let let's not think about. You know, maybe let's go for a, a stealthier redesign. Nah. We we got bolts of this fabric from no, mood in the no. back.
0: We got five robins. Throw them out there. That's basically yeah. It. <laughs> Here's five decoy kids. There you go. Do you ever see the the cartoon The Venture Brothers? No. Okay, so The Venture Brothers is a cartoon that kind of plays with all the comic tropes, all the uh old uh sixties cartoon tropes like Johnny Quest and things like that. Kind of jams them all into one story. And so there's a lot of like characters that are references to characters in the Marvel Universe. But the main character, uh, who's this scientist called Dr. Venture, his two kids are the Venture brothers, and they go on crazy adventures. And there's I think it's like the end of the second season, both of the kids die. And so we then find out that that they have a series of clones set up to then replace the kids but after they die this time it hits the professor really hard and so he you know he goes on a uh you know a a finding himself type journey and is like drinking and drugs and discotheques in europe and everything like that and basically his bodyguard has to show up and like smack him back together and he goes no i i want to live anymore i can't do this anymore and he brings him home and then they bring out the clones that moment it feels like The four panels where Xavier is like, no, I can't see more kids die. It seems like those two panels are like that episode of the Venture Brothers for me. It's like within a span of five minutes, he's like, no, I can't do this again. I'm mourning the death of John. All right, fine, let's do it.
1: (laughs) See also the GTA meme. Ah, shit, here we go again. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs)
1: Except you're the one doing it. (laughs) <laughs> this isn't happening to you, Charles. You're doing
0: it. Oh, man. Now yes, it's definitely a choice, but as readers, we have to as much as you can say he's a bad dad, it's like without him doing this stuff, there would be no stories to read. So I guess we gotta we gotta enjoy that a- aspect of it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, without his manipulations, we wouldn't have decades and decades of entertainment and master mutants. Yeah.
0: Well, if you want to celebrate the 40th anniversary of this story, definitely check it out. The New Mutants Marvel Graphic Novel number 4. But I think you can just, these days, I think it has just been repackaged as the New Mutants graphic novel. Search it out. Read it. It's fun. And it is one of the exhibits in Petula's case that she's building uh, to take to the Marvel courts about how Professor Xavier, bad daddy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, you know what? I'm putting that work in. I'm taking my time. It's, I'm in no rush. Me and Merrick Garland, like I'm building that case slowly <laughs> until it's irrefutable. So it might take a while, might take another hundred <laughs> episodes <laughs> where maybe only 20% of those we touch on Charles, although I managed to work him into stuff that has nothing to do with.
0: Oh yeah. You get him in there. Marvel even.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, this is a great one for that. And it's also, if you, it's, it's thick, but it's a quick read. Like it's, it's, just north of like 40 pages
0: but yeah, it's about 49 pages it reads pretty fast
1: yeah you'll you'll fly through this one and it is funny unintentionally so i think this is also a good one for people who do maybe have friends that are concerned about the turn for diversity things are taking this is a great one for you to be that kind of asshole comic book reader to be like well actually back in the blah 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 and like this is such an og it's a claremont
0: yeah You've got
1: homegirl louise on it this is it it's just ridiculously it, it's too diverse for me i like, <laughs> think they, they did too much they were doing too much <laughs>
0: Well, you heard it. They tried too
1: hard. They tried too hard in that. And, but I would almost love if they did try to redo this one and maybe actually have people from any, even just one of these backgrounds actually in more actively involved in the writing. It would be interesting to see what bits they could take down and which ones they could even ramp up. I mean, again, the Brazilian soccer player manifesting during the game. It's just it's not trying to be
0: funny yeah.
1: but it is hilarious
0: oh yeah. man all right well <laughs> check it out 40 years old the new mutants graphic novel definitely check it out we've come to the end of another episode of back to the work and the good folks find you at inatif.com on twitter at obesa o-b-e-s-a-c-a-n-t-a-v-a-t and here with you and of course you can find everything i do over at com and Follow me on Twitter at Geekhard and follow this show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath. And, and, of course, subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice so you don't miss an episode because you don't want to miss an episode because you want to hear Batula build her case week on week. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Batonio. Have yourself a good and a new mutant.